the shade room to your news feed. We brag different. You're locked into HBCU Pulse, now trending worldwide. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse in HBCU Pulse Studios. Uh, it has been a very wild day, um, a wild week, a wild 2021 already. But we're here to break down Grownish. Um, very interesting episode this week. I feel as if, and they probably already recorded the episode, but I think that this episode they listened to the last to last week. I think because this episode was was better and we won't talk about it but i would be remiss to not start off anything about media anything about television without saying rest in power to cicely tyson like i got now we have to show love to cicely tyson uh she we found out earlier uh tonight that she passed away um at you know the age of 96 um cicely tyson was a legend she was a legend. Um, she started her acting career in 1962, and she was a part of so many legendary projects. And the first thing that comes to mind is Roots. I remember um, as a rites of passage between my dad and I, he had me watch Roots to show to show where where we came from and where you know where I am and why I need to be grateful for everything. And she was in Roots, and she was amazing. But she was in so many other amazing you know, just films and television shows. And she was also a part of a lot of projects that we know. She was a part of the proud family. She was on um, the family reunion episode. She was also on how to get, how to get away with murder for 10 episodes. And also she was a part of an iconic black movie that I think, you know, we all have in our top 10, honestly. And that's Medea's family reunion. Do you guys remember this scene? Because this is, has to be, one of just such a powerful scene that I think about to this day. Young black men, take your place. We need you. Your sons and daughters need you. Did you understand what I just said? You were sold off and had no choice. Yes, but now it's time to stay. Take your place. Now, starting now, starting now. Young black women, you are more than your thighs and your hips. You are beautiful, strong, powerful. I want more from you. Take your place. Man, that scene was so powerful. And we talk about the joking aspect of on this land. Like that's one thing that went, that always go viral. People talk about it on Twitter on this land. But did y'all really hear what? Maya Angelou was saying in that scene and what Cicely Tyson was saying in that scene. And you have to respect Tyler Perry for having them there because it was very intentional what Tyler Perry did in adding in that scene within the comedy, within the slapstickness of, of that movie. He added that in to sort of give us some perspective. And that's what the elders do. Like that's what, you know, the ancestors do, you know? So it's like, I, we thank, you know, um, Cicely Tyson for blessing us with her talent and paving the way for us. And, you know, we're going to keep her legacy going and growing. And, you know, we're going to do it tonight. So just uh, rest in peace, rest in power to Cicely Tyson. And, 
you know, pray for her family and pray for, you know, everybody that's around her and also just people that were, you know, touched by her work. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, so we're going to go on and get started. Let's bring a little bit of levity in here. So uh, if you know, if you're a fan of T.I. and you're a fan of Gronis, you know where this drop came from. Never been in the game i'm celibate you know you know why i'm playing this drop never been in the game i'm celibate let's talk about it let's talk about it text us 478-221-7127 let's bring janae on hbcu they know just we are post radio janae how you doing today Hey, 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 HBCU Plus family. I'm doing well, doing well. Hey, it looks like you're back on campus. Yeah, you see, I'm in my humble little bow. I got my gear on, you know, so I'm definitely glad to be back in the land of golden sunshine. Yes, we love Tennessee State. We need for everybody from Tennessee State to show love in the comments. Let's get it like last week. So let's hop into it. So uh, Gronish was, it was a different type of episode this week, but let's, Let's start with this. So, um, Janae and I did some digging uh, for this edition of uh, the Gronish After Party. And we found some very interesting things, and we want to break it down for you because while Gronish today, they had a really great episode today, and we're going to talk about it. I just want to just signal some issues that I'm seeing, okay? So, Gronish has seen a sharp decline in ratings since its premiere in January of 2018. And I'm going to put on my, my account executive hat because, you know, I'm an account executive for iHeart. I'm going to put that on. We have the steady stats. And if you are a mass comm major and you're in, you know, behavioral stats and you're in mass media stats, I need y'all to keep up, okay? So season one of Grownish had 622,000 viewers on average for that first season. And they started off high with those first two episodes that played on the same day. You had late registration, 950,000 viewers. You had, and I'm not going to say the first part of the episode, but you know, uh, don't care my vibe. That had yeah. 920,000 views. So, you know, that was the, the first two episodes of the season. Starboy had a huge rating showing as well. And that was the introduction of cash into the series. But here's the thing. The season finale, they were like, oh, who will Zoe choose? Will she choose cash? Will she choose Luca? Will she choose Aaron? Find out next week. We didn't want to find out because it, it dropped to 395,000 views. <laughs> we, we didn't really want to find out. So season two is like, okay, you know what? Season one, people want to see what was up. Season one, let's see what's happening in season two. So season two saw a precipitous drop in total viewership. So 474,000 viewers on average for the season. The highest rated episodes, episode one, 672,000 views, which is better. And then the second episode premiered on the same day, which is nothing was the same. It dropped same day, like like 30 minutes, one episode, 30 minutes, next episode. It dropped to 556,000 views for that second episode, a 116,000 viewer drop. Okay, so we're seeing some trends here. So episode four of that series, In My Feelings, you guys remember that episode? It was about geniuses. They brought up Beyonce. They brought up Kanye West. They brought up what constituted genius, and the promos were amazing for it. We saw them get 642,000 viewers after they hit some lows. Then season two, episode six, Love Galore, they got 603,000 views. But they bottomed out at 422,000 viewers up from the first season, but 230,000 viewers in the hole. They dropped. Do y'all see a trend? 
Okay, so let's go to season three. Season three's not over. They, they can switch it around. But I'm, I'm just saying, okay? Season three, so far, from last year before the pandemic to now, 360,000 viewers on average for the season. Their highest rated episodes was three. They peak episode one. People want to see what's popping. It had 482,000 views. Season three, episode three, close friends, 456. Season three, episode nine, public service announcement, which was last week, 434. Do do, do y'all see where I'm going with this? So they've lost 200,000 viewers on average after season one for live viewing. We cannot, I, I tried to find the Hulu viewing. I tried to find, you know, live the same day, which is DVR. A lot of folks be busy. You don't see my watch on YouTube TV, DVR. Could not find those numbers. We're going to try to find them. But I want you guys just to paint your own picture, okay? Blackish, you know, it's a pandemic. Oh, it ran us a pandemic. No one's watching TV. NBA numbers going down. NFL numbers are going down. Blackish ratings have increased. They're at 2.5 million views on average. And also, we have to look at it like this. And Janelle, like, you know, I want you to just tell me what you think of this. I'm just, I'm just bringing up the numbers. Shows that have had the same rating, rating share, which is Gornish has a 15 rating share in the 18, the 49 demo. That's our demo. And they have around that 300,000 viewer number. And these are the shows on Freeform. I'm going to mention the shows. I want Janelle to let me know what happened to these shows. Okay. So Stitchers, Shadowhunter, <laughs> Kevin from Work, Cloak and Dagger, and Guilt. So Janae, what happened to those shows? Oh, they're all canceled. They're no longer on air. So if Gronish keeps going the way they are going, this will be the last season, or maybe just season four will be the last season just based on the numbers. Because as a showrunner and all those things, you have to keep a consistent numbers and a consistent viewership. And if your viewership is going down by the tens of thousands at a time and has been decreasing for the past two to three years, these past couple seasons, you will not get more than one season. They may let you end because, you know, it was a staple show at one point, but these shows are canceled now. So it's not looking very good for Gronish based on the numbers. Like, I'm telling you, like, and see, Janae said it, not me. Okay, I just want to let you know, because y'all probably going to think I'm just hating and old Randall just think X, Y, Z. I'm just going by the numbers because I want to see Gronish win. It's the only college show that is on TV. But if they continue this trend of episodes we saw last week, mm-hmm. we might we might see Gronus in, and we might have no college shows, and we might hope that maybe on All American Buddy go to college, and maybe go to HBCU. We don't know, but you know I'm just, I, but but listen, but listen, we're just gonna segue by doing this. Never been in the game, I'm celibate. I think that's a great segue, Janae. I think that's a great segue into what this episode was about. So let's talk about. This episode, Hard Place, and this is a very double entendre title. If you know, you know. I'm not going to bring it up. Hard Place, okay? So, Janae, tell us about what the episode was about. Okay, y'all. So, season three, episode 10 of Hard Place. Talk about a lot of different issues. Fun fact in this episode, Zoe was not a part of it. Zoe was actually just narrated it. So, I don't know if this made a little bit better. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Had to wait a clap the margins. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Right. <laughs> so pretty much um, a harp is talks about Anna and Javier's relationship. It also goes into 
um, Aaron's relationship with his girlfriend, and then the relationship between Sky, Jazz, and Jillian. So let's start first with um, Javier and Anna. So Javier and Anna um, just recently got to this new relationship, and you know they're all lovey dovey, everything's going great. And Anna's had has had a very rough time with love. Previously, she messed with Aaron, she messed with a couple other guys, and just hasn't had the best luck. And then now she meets this great guy who's Cuban, who's Republican, just like she is, who has those same core value beliefs, and they're both in the politics, so they have a lot of things in common so and everything's going good so it's like what can go wrong well we later find out that javier is celibate and anna has a real kind of hard time with it because if that's nothing that's not something she's used to also previously she's messed with guys who's only wanted her for her body yet she meets a guy that doesn't can't even have sex and she's in her feelings and upset which talks about the different dynamics of celibacy in relationships especially celibacy between men and female like it's kind of more i guess common so to speak which is terrible for a woman to be celibate like a man and she's taking it differently moving forward in act two we also talk about um the black student union where they have a meeting and they pretty much talk about how the um, school is getting funded by the prison systems and we're and that the students tuition are actually paying for those prison systems as well. Mind you, prison systems live off of black bodies. So of course the BSU has a big issue with this and they want they sign a petition to get that fixed. But Aaron just sees it as there, there's a bunch of fake woke people not talking about nothing. They're just doing just a whole bunch of signing but not a bunch of action. So he goes and takes action and gets a flyer going. And then once the flyer gets posted around the school, these two police officers come and they say that, hold on, he's littering on campus. His posters are littering on campus. And he even gets arrested over some civil posters, but yet there is multicultural posters up and there's other posters up from different organizations, yet he's the one getting targeted. So luckily it doesn't escalate further than him just getting arrested, but we can foreshadow to see what else is going to happen with that. Um, also, we look into Jillian a little bit more. And Jillian talks about um, soul food and how it reminds her of home back in Atlanta because she went to Spelman. And... Um, that she misses home. She's kind of homesick. So Jazz and Sky take her to the soul food truck back where they're from. And then their dad comes and talk about how, well, them going to the Olympic trials is going to be good for South Central. And, you know, when they go, South Central goes as well. So Jillian gets this great idea to come up with a documentary that follows the twins' journeys to going to the Olympic trials, which I think that's going to be a super amazing documentary. And then towards the end of the episode, uh, we find out that he gets his strength to be celibate from God. And then they go to this kind of, I wouldn't say new church, like a new church feel where the pastor is young. He has tattoos. He's wearing jeans and a t-shirt. And Anna came in this pink stuffy church outfit. And she's like, is a is a pastor supposed to look like that you know and it kind of changed her view on religion because even though she grew up catholic she hasn't been to church in a while and being with him is actually getting giving uh, her a relationship closer to god so that's kind of what this episode talked about a bunch of really just deep topics you saw a lot of different perspectives and it was honestly a really empowering episode Let, let's be honest they they went to children's church <laughs> <laughs> They went, they went to children's church, like you know, like 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 because like, like, it was it was a part where they were like DM the person next to you and say God got you. I'm like I'm like no no we don't we don't go to church like that no no we don't we don't we don't do that. But um wow. just <laughs> but let's just get into just talking about the aspects of the episode. So we were watching the episode. And I was expecting just to be disappointed. I was expecting to just go and turn on basketball. I'm just about to get ready for my Friday 
You know, I'm just about to just get ready to work, do whatever I need to do. I'm about to get ready to go to bed. I'm like, man, let's just go and get this thing over with. And it starts with a great starting point where, you know, they about to get it cracking, they about to get it on. And it's like, it's a, he has a secret he has to tell. He hasn't told her, told her yet. And he, and he's celibate. And I'm like, whoa, that was a different dynamic. I honestly was not expecting that. So the first thing I thought, I started laughing and they let it be crazy. I, I'm like, man, I think Javier's favorite book is act like a lady, think like a man. That's what I think. <laughs> I think that's his favorite book. You know, say y'all saw y'all saw that movie, The Ninety Day Rule. <laughs> I think that Javier might be on Ninety yeah. Day Rule with Anna, but I don't think he's wrong because because Anna a live wire. Because because when Anna found out that that he was celibate, she was offended. She over there. Oh, I feel so embarrassed, and I'm like, bruh, he's being open and honest with you. And he even said what I would have said when I, we came on because I was like. When do you expect him to say it? Is he, he going to say it over Red Lobster? Oh, hey, man, the cheese bread real good. By the way, I'm celibate. We ain't going to do nothing tonight. Like, what? when is he supposed to say, hey, I'm celibate? Like, it, it makes no sense. Right. Like, so, Janae, so let's say you meet a guy, right, and the guy is celibate. Are you going to be upset? Like, you embarrassed me. I thought we were going to do X, Y, Z. Or how would you How would you react to that? Um, I don't, I wouldn't be embarrassed. Um, I would say I'll be shocked just because I don't know anybody my age that's a virgin at this point, <laughs> you know, so I'll be like, oh, word or, you know, so, um, I definitely don't say I would have been shocked. I think I would be like, really? Like, what makes you want to do that? Because sex is a big part of relationships. People break up over sex. If you tell somebody you're not going to have sex, marriages end over that type of stuff. So, and it's a real part of a relationship that we kind of don't talk about that much because it just kind of, it kind of comes with. So when it's not there, it's like, what? Um, as a female, I don't think I'll be upset. I think I'll be shocked, but I don't know if I personally could deal with that. But I think if you love somebody enough, I think you'd be willing to somewhat sacrifice and i won't even say so much it's a sacrifice because you can build intimacy in other ways because even throughout the episode like they were trying to be all apart and then she was shaking his hand and saying we can play jenga jenga's not not sexy like you don't have to not have intimacy and still be show affection without having sex you know so i don't know personally i could do with that because i needs but um i don't think it's bad that somebody so but i honestly respect you more because you know, you're choosing to do something different. And, you know, it's obviously for a good reason. And let's not say they, it's she. Because she, he, yeah. he he was cool with just still doing it. But Anna was the one that's acting weird. And I just want to say yeah. this. What do women want? Don't y'all want honesty? What what do women want? Thought, all these guys, all the Greeks, all these guys, these student leaders, they just want to sleep with us. But then Buddy's like, listen, I'm being celibate. I'm, you know, I made a pact with God. Now it's like, man, this man a lame. Man. I don't want, I don't want to deal with this man. I'm about to break up with what you want from me? <laughs> like, what do you I'm want from crazy. me? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, golly. Listen, listen, fellas, if you are a celibate, I promise it's completely okay. I will be shocked. I'll be like, you don't want to have sex. Because it's usually with the thing, like, that's the first. Thing like males want from females, at least in my experience, and pretty much most women's experiences. So we're honestly shocked when a man doesn't want sex with us. But I think it also shows that we kind of think, well, what does he want me for if he doesn't want to have sex? So I think there's a lot of internal issues that she's dealing with. And even as a person who like when you have like certain features, if you have thicker lips or if you're thicker, you get sexualized often. So you're kind of just used to getting that type of attention. So when somebody comes like, oh, well, I don't want that. You kind of think, well, like, who am I without that? Who am I if I'm not this girl with big lips, long hair, thick thighs, you know? So I think it was some internal things that she was dealing with because she even said in the episode, 
well, do you not want me? Am I not attractive? Like, why don't you want to have sex with me? Like, she took it a whole different way instead of, this is the fact that I'm with God. This has nothing to do with you. So I think it's kind of an internal type of psyche within women that where our bodies kind of sell us, unfortunately. So when that's removed, it's like, who are we? But I think hopefully in a relationship where there can be in in other ways, she can find out who she truly is outside of her body. And I think that that's the problem is that she she doesn't know who she is. And she started sexualizing herself. And that was the yep. problem. She started sexualizing herself like, oh, you must not want this. And it's like, nah, like he just, he just has self-discipline enough to be like, you know what? I made this pack. I'm not going to break it. And I think that what we saw, because like Janae said, Zoe was not in this episode. We saw a trend of something, and I just want to just bring it up just gradually as we speak on the episode, and I'm going to get to the point. Zoe's very childish when it comes to men. Anna was very childish <laughs> this time around. She was very much childish. And that's a Zoe trait. And also, can we show some respect to Aaron? Because Aaron wasn't, you know, the F-boy that people were trying to make him be. Because let's not forget that time when she got drunk at that party again, and he walked her home, tucked her in, and all of a sudden she was like, you know what, I'm going to break up with you. Like, why? <laughs> like, I just made sure you got home safe. Like, you crazy. Don't don't text me. No, I'm going to block you. Don't, it couldn't be me. I would have blocked her. Like, she she would have, she would not have to worry about Randall. Like, because I, I, I done helped make sure you straddle. I done tucked you in. Like, like, like you my daughter. Then read you a bedtime story. Like, what the world? Like, what you want, what do you want from me? Like, golly. What, like, I, like, this is the theme. Wait, what more do you want from me? Like, I'm, I'm feeling just Javier. I'm feeling Aaron's episode. Like, man, what do y'all want? So here's a question, and I wanted Janae to look into this, right? So we know that Aaron has a new girlfriend, and Zoe was upset about the new girlfriend. But someone on YouTube, and I wish I had their name, but they brought this up on YouTube in the promo for the episode. So... The girlfriend that Aaron has, is that the same girl that he was cheating on Anna with? Okay, so I look back and the girl, she didn't, they look similar, but it didn't look like the same girl. So I don't think it is. I will look back just to like be for sure because I look back at the episode and she looked similar, but it didn't look like the same girl. So I don't think so, but I don't mind looking back again to verify, but I do not think so, no. Okay, so let's, you know, let's basically open up, you know, the line a little bit. We're going to, you know, answer phone calls towards the end of the show. When we stop doing just the recap aspect of it. Is that the same girl? And I know like, you know, the, like the ladies, you know, Tennessee state, you know, y'all, y'all got y'all, y'all going to get together. Y'all going to look, cause y'all be investigating anyway. So do this investigation and text us as to me. I need y'all to text us at four, seven, eight, two, two, one, seven, one, two, seven. Is that the same girl that Aaron was creeping on Anna with? If it is, we need for grown-ups to talk about that because that's a that's a storyline that I think they're missing. But we're not uh-huh. we're not gonna say that today because they we gotta give them their flowers because they, they did a great job. But I noticed that we didn't see Zoe off rip. I'm like, we haven't seen Zoe yet. And I'm like, bro, I love it here. Like literally, Zoe it Zoe is like a plague on the show. And remember, I said this last week. I said that every episode that has less Zoe or when Zoe's a minor character is markedly better. The cultural appropriation episode, the episode with Aaron trying to get a job. He and he goes to to you know to Dre, her dad, try to get a job. Like those episodes are significantly better because Zoe brings down the show with her rampant selfishness, her airheadedness, and her one track mind. I want to design. I want to be with guys. Like it's one track mind with her, and it's so much selfishness. We weren't plagued by that and her relationship issues, but. 
as I was watching the episode and I just kept hearing celibate, 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 I was like, hey, Janae, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get this clip when we do the thing. So that's when I got. Never been f- in the game, I'm celibate. That's when, I, <laughs> that's when I got that clip. That is from I'm Illy. That's T.I.'s, like one, that's probably T.I.'s best song. He was rapping, rapping in that song. And literally, it's like, you know, that's a double entendre where it's like he never been in the game, he's celibate. And it's like, I feel like that is a great drop for Javier because they kept bringing that up in the, in that first act. You, you've heard, probably heard celibate like 50 million times in that first act alone because they were trying to hammer that point home. But they had Javier as, as a really strong character because they even had Sky and Jazz trying to say, hey, hey, Tempt him. Like, just go in there looking good. He going he gonna to break down. But Anna was like, you know what? I don't think I want to do that. Like, I, I respect, you know, his, his like, what he's doing this for, and I'm going to see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm going to see what happens. And I respected that from Anna, and I could tell that she was going to go on a growth journey, and she was losing the Zoe aspect that they were giving her character because she was willing to accept it because there's a lot of things that Zoe didn't accept from Aaron, from Cash, and from Luca, and that's why she's single. Okay, so I like the fact that Anna was willing to accept the fact that he was celibate and work within it. But let's get to the part in the student union. Okay, so the black student union. So go over (laughs) that part with the black student union and what Doug and Aaron and that whole entire scene in the black student union with Aaron's girlfriend. Okay, so prior to them actually going to the meeting, um, Aaron and his girlfriend were hooking up in the in his room and she was going to the BSU meeting, the Black Student Union meeting. And he was like, well, I'm not going to that. He used to be treasurer, but he's not a part of the organization anymore because he feels like it's a bunch of fake woke people not doing no real work. And that's not what he's about. He's like, the, you know, the Malcolm X, like, fight the power revolution type of guy. And they're just trying to figure out what bake, wake, um, what potato salad they want at the next barbecue. You know, so it's giving very much social vibes and not no work, you know? So... So then this girlfriend was like, well, come with me. I'm going to give you some. He's like, fine, him my Crocs. I'll go with you. So, boom, we go to the um, BSU meeting. They mentioned the barbecue, which shows that Aaron was correct about what they are doing. But that's when they get to the point that Cal U, their school is being funded from prisons. And these prisoners are also funding the security, and which is a problem because most people in prisons are Black people, Black and Latino. And then that same force, the police that are putting us in jail, which are also killing us. So it's a whole bunch of like oxymorons. Like, wait, so why is, and they're, and they're funding them using student dollars. So it's like, we're using our dollars to fund something that a system that doesn't care about us. Right. So they're like, we got to get a petition. We got to get things started and everything. Now that that was a pretty intellectual conversation within itself based on what the things I've talked about. Now throughout the whole conversation, mind you, Doug is usually a pretty intellectual character because in previous episodes, when they mentioned, um, what they mentioned, like in the workforce, how when it comes to job, Nomi would get it first, then it will be Anna, then it will be um, Doug and Aaron, Beck, and then the, the females. So he's very smart and very educated. And they kind of dumped him down and talked about potato salad the whole time. Like, oh, I'm here for the potato salad. Oh, well, I'm here because all these cultures got these food things and I'm here. Wait, what about the potato salad? Like, he kept saying things that like dumped him down a little bit. And that had, that was a big problem for us because we saw that they're very intelligent. So why are you dumbing down these characters? And I think, as Randall said previously, is they're putting Zoe aspects in each character because Zoe's not in the episode, which 
actually sucks because why are you downplaying these smart characters because we've never seen this before? So that makes no sense because he schooled Vivek during the cultural appropriation episode and Jazz schools um, Zoe about the job thing. So we had an issue with them pretty much dumbing down the characters because it was very unnecessary because we saw in Blackies that you can still be smart and witty but intelligent. So you don't need to dumb down your characters. That's very unnecessary and it perpetuates a stereotype that Black people are dumb. You know, and this is a Black you know, not black show, but like it's a college show with black students and multicultural students. So that's some of the things that we saw within the um, BSU scene and some of the dynamics we saw among the characters. And it is a black show. Like all the leads are black. This is a black. They play hip hop music. This is a black show. Because I think they lost that where it's like, oh, no, this is a multicultural show. This is a black show with white and Latino characters. Let's just be honest, first and foremost. But also... If you look at it, the reason why they did that with Doug and Anna, we're going to talk about Sky and Jazz later on, is they were trying to insert comedy in in some way. And that's the problem that I consistently have with Grownish is you do not have to force comedy down our throat. It's going to just happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to write no drunk, like a Lincoln Heights or the Quad. You don't got to write that. But you can write compelling content and find the joke and jokes and hilarity in it. And it might be something that might not be funny to the older writers, but we're in college. We might get it, you know? So it's like, I, I didn't like the, how they dumbed down, um, like they dumbed down Anna a bit. They, they made her very childish, but he sort of brought her back in that second scene. Then they did not give Doug that turnaround. Where it's like, Hey, Doug is now witty. They didn't give him that. And I felt as if that was a disservice because Doug was, one of my favorite characters. Now, granted, he stole the show in that scene because that was a great performance by Diggy. But at the same time, he's more nuanced than that. And Doug has shown he's more nuanced than that. But it really gave me Blackish vibes because you see a lot of great writing from Blackish where they're talking about current issues. And you see them double down with it. And personally, with Blackish, and I'm going to say this this has nothing to do with Gronish. But I didn't like the episode they did. I think it was, it was. It was away from the season premiere in November, but they did like an election themed two part episode. And I mm-hmm. hated both those episodes. I thought they were corny. I thought they were forced. I thought it was, it was very much schoolhouse rock. That first episode was very much schoolhouse rock. Like it's like, Hey, we're going we, we to teach the people, but we're going to make it fun for the kids. And it's like, that's not where blackish is. And they sort of forced it once again, forced it down folks throats of these different aspects of the election process. That was true. But they saw the episode about Juneteenth and how much we loved it. And then they tried to do it again and it didn't work well. But this was something, this with this episode of Gronish, it fit within the aesthetics of what I thought Gronish would be, which is a young blackish. We're we're tackling Donald Trump. We're tackling sexual harassment. We're tackling rape in a nuanced way that still has that those comedic elements, but we come forward either learning something new or we're discussing it on social media. We're discussing it on shows like this. And consistently, Gronish has not been that. It has been basically me eavesdropping on the conversation in the cab with Janana's sisters about what guy they talking to. That's what the show became. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, I'm like, I can watch LeBron and the Lakers. I don't got to watch this. Like, what the world? I, as a guy, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to see this. I want to see good writing because I'm a writer. You know what I'm saying? So... Like, I liked how it really gave me the flow of Blackish. But the second act, Ryan Destiny came back. And Ryan Destiny, ladies and gentlemen, I said that Ryan Destiny was Ryan Destiny and Gronus. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Destiny was Jillian. She was Jillian today. She was Jillian this episode. And 
she mentioned Spellman in one of those scenes. I'm like, I feel like they listened to us somehow. Like she mentioned Spellman real quick. Like, yeah, Spellman, the cat food, so much better. Like, and then Sky and Jazz sit down and it's like, wow. Like, so you mentioned Spellman. So at first I'm like, she mentioned Spellman. But then I'm like, you know what? At this point, Deion Sanders is at Jackson State. You got HBC Pulse on the Shade Room. You have all these different media moments. We don't need for Ryan Destiny to mention Spellman on Freeform. We're good. We're, we're good, love. You feel me? We're good, love. We, we, don't, we don't need you to mention Spellman on Grownish. We need a Spellman episode. We need an HBCU episode. So I'm going to continue to say that. I'm going to thump the table on that. We need an HBCU episode. We don't need an HBCU name drop because that does nothing for us. And we need you to do a nuanced look at HBCUs, a nuanced look. Like, what's the difference between Cal U and, and Spellman or an HBCU? Like, have the different debate of our HBCUs needed and have us win the debate of HBCUs are needed. You know what I'm saying? Or, hey, all education is a good education. I need that episode season four. I need that ASAP, Kenya Barris, and the writing staff. But here's what I thought about Anna, Janae. I feel like Anna's going to ruin this relationship somehow. Now, I saw the ending with the church. They were in children's church. I understand that. But at the same time, I feel like Anna's going to ruin this relationship because she's going to be putting so much extra on the fact he's celibate. What do you think? Um, I can see that being a thing. I could definitely see that hindering the relationship. Um, most women, which I've noticed, I mean, as a woman, just what I've seen, most women tend to self-sabotage when it's a very good relationship, right? So he has everything else. He's a good dude. He has a he's career strong. And it's always one thing that we can't get past. Like what? And everybody has that one thing, whatever your one thing is, but that her one thing is sex. So I feel like in some way she probably will self-sabotage it by whatever i don't know something like they probably will have an episode where they actually get drunk and have sex and he feels all bad and then they're gonna get to argument about it i definitely feel like that's gonna come one day so i can see that probably being the end of the relationship but hopefully if she's not as childish and things can continue to grow maybe they won't have that issue but i foresee that being what will happen for sure and i i think let, listen I, at this point we're writing grownish like they, they need to pay us like at this point they need to pay me. I need writing credit, sweetie. Like, what's up? Put me, put me, put me in the room, coach. We gave them two different. We gave them an HBCU episode and basically a regret episode. Like, just at this point, season four. Listen, we don't got to fly to LA. It's, it's coronavirus. Like, we could just do it from home. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. we, like, listen, we we can get that Google Docs going real quick. Like, doing class, get that Google, <laughs> that Google Docs going. That oh. group text, we can just sit. We can just send a script in through group text at this point. Because come on, we can help you out. But Here's right. what I think. And this might be an unpopular opinion for all of our Yashidi fans. I know you're a Yashidi fan. But I think it's that fine. I love Yashidi. And I don't want her to lose a job. But I think they need to have Zoe take a break and just go be with, you know, Joy Badass and Sweetie or whatever her character's name is. She she's still Sweetie in, in, in Grownish. She's still Sweetie. But like I think what they need to do is just let <laughs> just let Yara do do voiceovers. <laughs> And just get rid of her. Let everybody else, everybody else do the acting. You do the voiceovers when we keep it pushing. Everybody get their check. Because her voiceovers <laughs> were real good. Her voiceovers, she, 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 she was, she was giving a strong narration. She like, like, like she was, she was over, there, she was over there like, like, like you know, Anna and Javier are going through some issues. Like I'm like, go ahead, y'all. Like y'all was doing her thing, but it's like we just don't and want the, Zoe. And the man that she needs is God. Like, okay, with the deep narration, y'all rock. Okay, I see you. 
trying to be out here like Morgan Freeman, girl. I see you. You trying to be great. Go ahead, Yara. And then you heard of her when she said she didn't say God. She said God. <laughs> she said God. I'm like, I'm like, man, y'all over here, man. She over in that voiceover bad man. Man, y'all trying to get a radio show on iHeart at this point. I'm telling you, like, that's what that's what she trying to do at this point. She trying, but we need right. we need her to occupy. We need to occupy her time. She's a podcast. Like she's a podcast where she tells Kenya Bears, hey, listen, I got to take a break from. From grownness, because I can't, I can't, I got a podcast and I got to work on my podcast. Because at this point, right. every episode without her is so much better. But spoiler alert for those that don't want to know, just cut off and come back. She will be back ne- next week because she's going to be helping Aaron with her his situation. So she will be back sadly, but we'll see what they do with her character. But without Zoe there, we learned a lot about every character and sort of the responsibilities to carry the episode went to Sky and Jazz because we learned a lot more about them because we saw Sky and Jazz's dad in the episode where her, her social media got hacked when she started posting those more provocative pictures and she thought Doug did it, but her dad actually did it because her dad was embarrassed. You know, we saw her dad and her dad is a good dude. You know what I'm saying? We saw a productive black man there and then you, you had Jillian meet the family and where I thought instantly, I thought that we were going to see a homesick type of vibe where she's going to go talk to Sky and Jazz. Like, you know what? I mean, I'm, I like California. I like Cal, you and all that, but I miss Atlanta. Should I go back to Spelman? And I thought that that was going to be a setup for the HBCU versus PWI episode, but they didn't take that turn, but they gave us something where we're going to see Jillian have a more an important part, especially later on in the season, maybe in season four, because she's going to do a documentary on Sky and Jazz. And here's the part that, irked me the most and it goes this goes into act three but i want to go on and bring it up is the fact that just like how janae said they dumbed down diggy they made anna childish they made sky and jazz just complete idiots when, when she was they were talking to jillian oh a documentary she just says she's doing a documentary what's it gonna be about she says it's about you like sky and jazz are nuanced they're great characters all of a sudden they're slow they're stupid Nah, like, like, don't don't bring Zoe into an episode without Zoe because Zoe, all the worst aspects of Zoe, it's not Yara's fault. All the worst aspects of Zoe is from the writing because she has not grown. You can have Zoe still be sort of, you know, like a little bit airheaded, a little bit self-centered, want to be in fashion, has her funny takes on things. But the problem is that she has not grown to to any degree, and it just gets so annoying having her with characters that have developed. Aaron has grown. Aaron's not a child. Aaron's more, Aaron's more purpose. Vivek has sort of grown. Like, you know, you have Doug's character that's grown. It, you have um, Nomi, she's pregnant. So every character has gone through a growth process except for Zoe, but she's not in this episode, but you but you stagnate Sky and Jazz, who are my favorite characters. They carry the episode, but at the same time, that scene wasn't needed because how are they giving Anna advice about how to deal with Javier? Then talking about oh, a documentary. What's a documentary? What's that? Well, how you spell that? Like, no, that's not who they are. Like, that, that, they are literally like, like, oh, what's what's the documentary? Oh, is it going to be about me? Oh, for real? Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's Venus Serena Williams. Oh, I, I talk on that term. No, that was said. That was implied in the in the episodes before that the Pointer Sisters are like Venus and Serena. I could have sworn. I think they said that. Didn't they say that before? I think. Then, like episode one, when they introduced everybody, gave like a little background about them. They literally called them the Venus and Serena track. So, like, you didn't need to incend. You didn't need to initiate that. Like, we know you're the Venus Serena track. Y'all are sisters. Y'all are fraternal twin sisters on the show. You know, so it was unnecessary. Like, you know, like in school, they always say, like, show me it rather than tell me. You showed us. Like, you don't need to tell us again. We're not idiots. 
And they think we're is. I think they think show. Yeah, that, like here's what I here's what I think happened. I think that it's almost like class. We did the class example last week. I think that, and it's crazy because as I talk about it, my rating is going down. Um, but <laughs> my grade is going down for them. But like, I feel like they were like, you know what? We lost our homework. It's it's it's, it's back in the dorm room. But like, we can't go get it because the teacher <laughs> won't let us back in. So we're gonna write some real quick, and it's, and, and it's yeah. oddly good because they're a good writer. But it's like you missing out context clues or what you wrote before. Because I think they forgot season one. They forgot a lot of the different seasons of what they written. Because it's like. What is this? This is not making a lot of sense right now. So I really just need them because I'm literally as we're talking. Because I, I look, guys, I was say, I was thinking ten out of ten. I thought I think I still think this is the best episode of Grownish. But as I'm talking about it, I'm like, eh, I might take away a couple points. It's not gonna be a ten out of ten. It's not gonna be a perfect score. It like it, we, we gonna see the score at the end. But it's like, eh, I don't know. But I would say this: it, it is a battle for the MVP of of the episode. Like it is a battle between Doug. Sky and Jazz, because I felt that Diggy as the actor, those were funny lines he delivered. They were very funny. They just weren't Doug. But Sky and Jazz in general, I think that they carried the episode absent of Zoe, even though it was more focused on Aaron as well as Anna. But I think that the dopeness of how they wrote the characters being so brazen and speaking their mind, we gravitate toward those characters because they're speaking for us often. So I think that they carried the episode, but I think Aaron did, and his girlfriend did an amazing job. I think Anna and Javier did an amazing job. But I have to point to Sky and Jazz and also Doug being those characters that really brought things together and gave me my most favorite moment. So what characters do you think, or character or characters, are the MVP of this episode, Janae? Oh, for me, the MVP of the episode... Um, will be Doug and Javier. Um, Doug, because Doug, I I think this is the episode that Doug shined a little bit. He had his funny, witty moments, you know. He was just kind of just carefree and let it go. He delivered it. He delivered his lines very well. And like, you know, like, Diggy's a good, well, Diggy is a pretty decent actor. He kind of plays himself, but like, I feel like he was more himself in this episode, you know. Even though, like, they, his character was dumbed down a bit, which is not really like him, I still feel like his delivery was amazing. So I would definitely say um, Doug would be my number one MVP. And then Javier, I feel like Javier brought a different depth to the show and a different perspective because typically we don't see um, celibacy within men, let alone Cuban men or anything of that nature. So to see it kind of from that male point of view and how it kind of plays into like our age today, it was honestly, um, it was different. And I liked Javier and to see, I feel like prior to that, he was just this guy Anna was working with. And now we got a little bit more depth and to know him a little bit more and more about his religion and why he is celibate and talked about religion and God and even question Anna's beliefs. And I feel like when you can make a character or a person question what they thought to be true, that's good writing and that's a good character. So I would say Javier and Doug would be the MVPs for this episode. So let's pivot into Aaron's portion which I think is very important because we're going to see a continuation of his storyline moving forward. So they had yes. the conversation about the fact that Cal U is funded by private prisons and pro or, or like basically Cal U's money that they're paying to the school is funding private prisons. And that's what Aaron was upset about. And you saw a very interesting point about petitions versus real change. I personally, and this is something that, I had to deal with in the spring when certain situations went down and folks wanted me to circulate a petition, have them sign this petition. And I didn't share it. And folks were mad at me. I just, I'm under the belief that 
because I because I want I used to watch Ned's to classify and I remember I watched the episode about petitions and they they want had like a healthy fruit snack in the vending machine and then um uh, Vice President Craig not the Vice Principal Craig's Vice Principal Craig's had a donuts that were in the vending machine that he switched out you know so essentially like what they did was they rallied around they signed a petition. And then they got the the fruit snacks, the healthy fruit snacks back instead of those donuts. That's what I, I honestly feel like oftentimes that's what petitions are for. Like petitions are for, hey, the donuts. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, like, you know, like, we, hey, I, I want donuts. Like, hey, like, I want this thing to be on the menu. It typically is not for, hey, arrest this officer. Hey, we want structure change. Voting does that. You know what I'm saying? Walkouts do that. Cause I think that petitions have a place within the general aspect of the, the discourse of change, but it's, that's the appetizer for change because you see change from voting. You see change from policy. You see change from really doing sit-ins and, and, and pressuring and saying, and, and using the media to tell your story. That's how you sort that's how you bend these colleges to your will. That's how you win the game of protesting, not from petitions. And you saw Aaron speak to that. So Janae, what do you think about mm-hmm. that aspect? I think it, it almost reminded me of kind of SGN a little bit because there's a part of the episode when they said, well, we have to play the game. The school funds us so we can't go against the school. And it's like, you know, sometimes you're in SGA. It's like you want to advocate for the students, but like you also kind of work for administration. So it's like, you know, you kind of have to play both sides in a little bit. And it kind of reminded me of what we, well, as black people, we do, we play the game and try to get ahead. So it's like, at what point in time can you play the game and make your own rules, start your own game, you know? So that's kind of the aspect that I thought of it from. And me being an Africana Studies minor, you even see in civil rights where people criticize Dr. Martin Luther King for his ways of nonviolent. They feel like nonviolent things weren't getting the, weren't making change happen. And then Dr. King felt like with, with Malcolm X and the Black Panthers and other radical um, Black activists that, well, you being crazy pissed off white people don't make the change better neither. So you see these different views on what can get change done. But in the day, change needs to happen. So I definitely believe that more action things like policy and voting, those things get changed as well. But it's kind of hard when the system that you're trying to fight also funds you. So you kind of have to play the game in a sense. So I guess in conclusion, like, it's kind of hard, but I think that's when you need those kind of two few people to kind of step away from that institutional organization and have to break away to get whatever needs to be done. Because, you know, you see that throughout history that people leave um, certain groups because they feel like it's not serving the true need of Black people. So here's what I think within the aspect of what needs to be done. First of all, I have an easy fix for this. Like, I think I can I can fix this for them. I need for Aaron to transfer to an HBCU because we don't have these issues at HBCUs. I, I don't think any private prisons fund any HBCUs because I don't or or our any HBCUs like fund private prisons because I don't think we're the demographic like that that they want to they want to help out or want to do anything with because we we're not mm-hmm. going to be in prison. Um, so that's number one. I think you should go to an HBCU, but also it's different ways to get around it because Cal U isn't Cal U a public school? I could have sworn Cal U KU was a public institution. So it's public school, public school, yeah. So they're taxpayer funded. So yeah, tuition pays for a lot, but they're still taxpayer funded. And the allocation of those funds go to your state legislators and your, and your local city legislators. And then on top of that, you think about it, this Cal U, this is real life. 
California is a democratic city. You had Governor Gavin Newsom. It's democratically ran. So you can make things happen. You know what I'm saying? So it's like things can happen if you understand the system. You have to understand the system to change the game. Yeah, you got to play, play the game. But if you're playing the game, you got to peep what's going on to understand the system. And that's how you really effectively make change. And that's why the petition aspect doesn't work because you're just basically placating the system because now what Aaron was doing, I think Aaron was too headstrong with it. But I, I would have loved to have seen an SGA president come in. Maybe bring in another celebrity. Maybe bring in, like, uh, who, who would have been a good celebrity? Like, I, I don't know who would have been a good celebrity to bring in, but bring in another celebrity to be SGA president. You know what I'm saying? Or have be vice president. Like, be like the Kamala Harris, the, the vice president Harris of the other thing. That would have been dope to sort of give Aaron, like, that twist of, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a sit-in. We're going to do X, Y, Z. It would have been cool just to have that aspect of it because that's what SGA is. SGA yeah. fights for these issues. But once again, you see... We, man, you, like they're they gonna f from me. We just stop talking. They're gonna get f from me because we, we <laughs> I, my, my rating is changing. Because I'm like, why was there not an SGA person? Why wasn't there a senator? Why wasn't there someone, a director of internal affairs that has the ear of the of the president of the provost that can say, excuse me, what's going on? Oh my gosh, let, let, let's move on to Act Three before before I can I give them a felon grade. Okay, so the episode for me took an amazing turn in act three so tell us what happened with javier and anna going into act three again so into going into act three they actually had the conversation but before they had the conversation they went to church so she asked him i just don't understand where you get your strength from to not have sex you know and he was like well i'll show you so then they went to this church it was not a traditional church at all they were outside um, the guy, he was a young dude. He had tattoos, um, regular shirt, jeans. And even Anna even said, is his chest supposed to be out? And then Anna came in this stuffy pink Madam President type of outfit and everything. And, you know, as she was listening to the word, she realized just how powerful it was. And she kind of saw like how he got that strength because of the message that she received from God. So then... When they talk about, um, when they get in the car, they kind of talk about how, well, Anna wants a closer relationship with God and that being around him has opened up her mind to that, which I think is probably the most mature thing about this whole episode. And they, she even talked about um, her fears within celibacy. And he's like, well, I, you know, I don't want to make you fear this. So if this is not for you, let's just go our separate ways, which is a very mature conversation, which is very immediate because this also goes to Randall, Randall Stocks where he says communication is key. Communicate that. If you feel like, listen, uh, I cannot not have sex with you, that's fine. We can just move on, be friends, and we don't have to worry about that. If you feel like this is something that you can do, then do that. It's not hard to communicate that. So I just really love effective communication. I love effective communication. It makes the heart warm. So in Act 3, they had that really good communication. They also talked about the documentary. And then um, and eventually agreed celibacy, which I thought was amazing. Because it may it actually may give her some, some insight about herself. And that's pretty much what went on in um, Act 3. And it also reminds me of just young pastors. Like at, at my church here in um, Tennessee, like our pastor is young. He went to TSU. He was SGA president. And it's like he still relates to us in our struggles. And he's still a positive Christian. So I love seeing that, I guess, not a new age of Christianity, but like 
what Christianity, like the members of Christianity look like, seeing that in the pulpit is amazing. So I loved um, Act 3. is probably one of the more mature moments without the episode. And it was amazing. And I just, I like how they turned it. Because like I said, it gave me a very much blackish type of feel with how yep. they turned it. And that yes. was the part that I liked about it the most. And I like the fact that once again, I say there was growth for a character that wasn't Zoe. Zoe is the only character that consistently has not grown. Yeah. She, she's the only person. Everybody has grown. Even Vivek has grown in a funny way, but like, like Vivek, Vivek getting girls now. You see that? Goes, yeah. First he was a lame, not, not, now he got a little girlfriend. He's grown. Zoe's the right. only person that has not grown in the episode. That's why this episode was markedly better. So let's give our ratings. So for me, I was going to come on here and give it a 10 out of 10. And I was going to cite how I love how, how the episode was well written. It took me um, and turned, it turned me in places that I didn't expect. Uh, of course, Aaron got locked up and that's a continuation that we're going to see next week. And I thought that that was amazing that that happened. And we're going to see a lot of nuance from that storyline. But as we talked about it, where was SGA representation? So you tell me, Cal, you don't got no SGA. You don't got no record. That's PWI. But you telling me that Cal, you don't got no SGA. You telling me that Cal, you don't got no Greeks. You know what I'm saying? You telling me that that there's no one there that can direct Aaron and and the Black Student Union in a way of let's do this because I just refuse to believe that these Black Student Unions they just sit back eating potato salad. I just I just don't I don't believe that. I believe that there's someone there that's like nah. We're going to make this happen because you remember when they did the backdoor pilot, when Zoe first went to Cal U and she met Aaron, the black, the black student union was way more radical. Once again, you are going against what you've already written. So why, how are they radical in that backdoor pilot? Now they just sitting back eating, 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 eating just uh potato salad and, and messed up chicken. Like what? Like I did. That makes, that makes no sense to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I need them to be more consistent with the characters that they create What's interesting is that I went back and watched the episode that was about consent. And they spoke about Anna and how she is when she gets drunk. Do you remember when she was backing it up on, on, on the provost? Like, by, yeah. like, like Burke calling him Burke? Where is yeah, that? Because I, I, I think I saw something that one, that one of them, the actors, was too expensive or something. We had another show. Was that him? Because we haven't seen him since that throwback or since season one. I haven't seen him since I don't. I haven't seen him since that episode. So, I, I I would have loved to have seen him come back this time, and maybe Doctor Charles Telfy could have done something, and that could have been a comedic moment because we we saw him get serious when Zoe was talking about dropping out. That was the first time we ever seen <laughs> Charlie serious. He could have been serious, whereas like you know what, as a black man, I feel where you're coming from. You just got to play the game, Eric. You know what I'm saying? Like that could have been something where it would have been like like a tension between Aaron and him, or they're arguing, and then we see the comedic side, then he gets serious. It's so many different ways they could have played it. But they didn't do that. They took the easy way out and took the comedic way out. So I'm not gonna pile on. I think that this is a the best episode that Gronus has ever done. Zoe not being in the episode was a big reason why, but it was some glaring issues that I need them to fix. So I will do this. Like I will give them a seven out of 10, but I'll give them an extra credit because they did an amazing job with this episode. So I will give them an 8.5 out of 10 and they deserve a hand clap for that. They get an 8.5 out of 10 for me. And I need to see what this next episode is going to look like because Zoe's coming back. 
They're going to definitely play on that relationship angle between Aaron and Zoe, but they're going to have Zoe sort of do PR for him and help him in crafting his message after he was arrested by the police in that next episode. How is Zoe going to be inserted in this? Are we going to see Anna and Javier? Are we going to see Jillian step up? Are Sky and Jazz going to be more nuanced? How do they feel about the arrest? That's what I really want to see. Because I wonder with this great of an episode, even with its flaws, how do you follow this up? But Janae, what do you think? Um, I definitely would gonna I I'm gonna give this episode an eight out of ten. I was gonna cover give it like a nine, but it's definitely gonna go back to an eight just because I didn't like the way they dumbed down the characters. But I still think this is the best episode that Gronish has produced this season. This definitely a top top five episode probably in the entire series and I think it was just beautiful I just wish they wouldn't have added those Zoe elements in there as well but besides that it was an amazing episode I don't think they'll be able to top this for next week I don't I think we're gonna come in here and be all in our feelings and just upset and you know ruin our opportunities to work with them but um this episode was really fantastic so definitely gets eight out of ten from the media mogul so here's here's the thing. All I gotta say is this. Never been in the game. I'm celibate. That's the that's the only thing that I just gotta say. HBCU. They know just we are. Post Radio. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Grownish After Party on tonight. It was an amazing episode this time around. I really enjoyed it because I saw that they tried. And removing Zoe showed that they removed a crutch. But at the same time, I need them to have show more continuity and tie more into the aspect of what the show is supposed to be. That's my biggest critique this time around for the episode. But 8.5 out of 10 for me, I just don't know how they're going to follow up. I think it was a lot of nuanced conversations that came from this episode, especially about celibacy, about relationships and things of that nature. However, they was dead wrong for dumbing down Sky and Jazz. Y'all, y'all, that that made me upset. I almost turned off the Zoom when, when Janae and I were watching. Because don't dumb down my favorite characters. Don't do that to them. But nevertheless, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I can't wait to see what they do ne- on next week. But thank you guys so much just for all the support. But it's so much more coming in the future. I need you to continue to tap in. Follow me on my personal page at Arthur Randall B. Make sure to go to Queen Series and buy a Queen's Pain. And make sure to continue to support the HBC Post team and the HBC Post page as we try to create stars and create more original content moving forward. But that is it for us. Thank you guys so much for watching, and I will see you on the other side. From the shade room to your news feed, we brag different. You're locked into HBCU Post, now trending worldwide. Never been f***ed in the game, I'm celibate.